was at a camp meeting out in Pine, Louisiana, and I met Brother Bill Bowie there. And he was playing that trumpet something fierce. And so I, we played Goodbye World, Goodbye that night. We'd never practiced. I had never met him before. We haven't practiced since. But we sure got some good musicians over here. Didn't y'all enjoy all this singing and music? My kids are watching. I need a volunteer for a mic holder. Come on up here, Brother Bowie, and stand right by me. So we, I need a mic holder. Come on. One of you guys is a mic holder. There, look at there, dressed up, fancy. Doesn't that guy look handsome? You getting married tonight? Are you going to get married tonight? Okay. Go ahead and hold it. Brother Bowie and I are going to try to play for you. Goodbye, world. Goodbye. See you soon. told you the other night, I know what time you normally get out. Oh, I hope I don't go too long tonight. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I do know what it's like to work all day, come to church just in time to barely get there because of being at work, and then I know what it's like to have to go back to work when church was over and work until 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, get back up the next day. So I won't, I will be considerate of some of your time. For those of you that don't work, I'm happy that you're retired or else you're lazy, and if you're lazy, that's bad. 
Amen. But it's a wonderful thing. I told them the district board was meeting Monday and Tuesday, and I had to go in. I met with them, asked to meet with them on a little quick thing. And I told one of them, said, oh, we need you to do I said, no, no, you forgot what retire means. <laughs> I don't mind. I love preaching, going, but I'm glad to no longer be in superintendent. I'll get to some scriptures in a minute, but I'm going to, normally I just have a little bit of scribbling down, but I typed all these notes out. We'll see what happens. I think my kids are watching, so i got to say hi to my grandkids again. Hey, Milo and Ruby, I love you. But I want to talk to you tonight, a little bit of teaching, maybe a little bit of preaching. I hope I'm going to hold, I hope I'm going to get a lot of mind stirring going in here. Because I want to talk to you about Santa Claus faith. There are literally thousands of people in the USA and probably elsewhere that when they think about Christmas, one of the first things that comes to their mind is old Santa Claus. I'm going to tell you about Santa Claus first. He is an old, fat, jolly man who never changes his clothes. He never shaves. He's married to a woman, but we don't have, I've never heard of, if she has a first name, I've never learned it. All I've ever heard is she's Mrs. Claus. To my knowledge, they've been a husband and wife for a long time, but they've never had any children of their own. They live in a remote place called the North Pole. From what I've been told, technically the North Pole is uninhabitable, but they live there. But from somewhere in that uninhabitable land, he acquired a workforce to make toys for children. Not just a few children, but theoretically children from all over the world. That's not just normal workforce of normal people. But according to what they say, he's got elves that work for him. So I looked in the dictionary to find out the proper definition of what an elf was, and this is what it said. A small, often mischievous fairy. Now, it seems like to me if you were hiring a good workforce, you would want somebody who wasn't small and mischievous. So I'm not sure about the quality or the quantity. And in fact, I'm curious about where all those little folks live. Because the last I heard of, there's no cities in the North Pole. There are no restaurants, no schools, no hospitals. And if you want to believe what the world tells you about Santa Claus, he uses a sled for transportation, which seems to make sense because it lives in the North Pole where there's always ice and snow. But that sled isn't pulled by horses or oxen, but by reindeer. Reindeer's wild animals, to my knowledge, no one's ever been able to tame one, particularly to pull a sled. And while they can naturally run fast, they're not known for their pulling strength, nor their flying ability. Have any of you ever seen a reindeer fly? Hello. I've been told that they make toys all year long, but where do they put them all? I've never heard of a warehouse at the North Pole. And from what I gather, Santa Claus must either be a psychologist or a prophet or something because he supposedly has knowledge of every kid in the whole world. And he knows if they do good or if they do naughty. 
Not only that, if they're naughty, he carries old dirty coal and puts it in their sock that they hang by the chimney. I'm curious, where do you get coal at the North Pole? I've never heard of them having a miner at the North Pole. I kind of wonder if AOC would accept that in her Green New Deal. Even more interesting about Santa Claus is that he's able to deliver every one of those toys in just one evening. One evening. No maps needed. He doesn't need GPS. He knows where every kid lives, their first and their last name, without any kind of computer. He's got it all. I'm going to tell you, UPS drivers, and I pastored, when I pastored, I had five of them in the congregation I pastored. They didn't know where everything was in town either, much less every kid first last name. FedEx, same thing. Post office, now they're wonderful people, but Santa Claus, he got them all whipped. I'm going to tell you what's really amazing about Santa Claus. When you consider that reindeer are able to fly, and they pull a sled that flies, and it's capable of hauling tons and tons of toys through cold air in the middle of the night. Is anybody catching on yet? <laughs> And to know that they have to travel at this unbelievable speed to be able to get around the whole world in one night, and yet they have the incredible ability to stop on a sloped, short roof that in some places is iced over and slick. And then this Santa Claus guy who is so fat and has never changed clothes is able to slide down an old dirty chimney have you ever wondered how Santa Claus gets into the houses that don't have fireplaces and chimneys? I feel sorry for some of those poor children who have to live with a mom and dad. If they have a house like mine that doesn't have a fireplace, Santa can't make it. But the most amazing thing, he goes right back up that chimney without using a ladder into a sled that's able to take off that quick and land next door with no skid marks, doesn't ever mess a shingle up on the roof, never slides over the eaves, and always perfectly stops right next to the chimney at the next house down. And there's a rumor out there that there's a backup plan just in case Santa Claus is sick or injured and unable to carry all those toys and that super fast flying. The rumor is the Easter Bunny will take his place. Because after all, he knows where all those kids live too. And what I found interesting about the Easter Bunny is he lays eggs. Not only does he lay eggs, they're multicolored. Yet a bunny is a mammal, and everything they told me at school about a mammal is that a mammal doesn't lay eggs, but it's defined as one that gives live birth. Yeah. You all want me to tell you a little bit about the Sandman next? Or the Tooth Fairy? I wish I could, I don't have time for all of that. What I'm trying to say is the world has given us one of the most unbelievable stories that you could ever think about trying to believe is the story of Santa Claus. Oh, I've got some of you pretty mad at me right now. According to the Bible, this Bible, nearly 2,000 years ago, there was a young woman who was a virgin girl who gave birth to a baby.
who was named Jesus. It happened not in a hospital. It happened while they were traveling away from their home. They didn't even have a decent motel room to stay in, so they did the next best thing, and they stayed that night in a stable. I'm going to tell you what I know about stables. It is not a sterile environment in which to hold and to have a baby. Stables are designed for protection for barnyard animals, if you will, not for people. And while they were in that stable and that baby was born, there was a doctor. How many of you love and trust doctors? Don't trust them all. I could call one guy's name and make some of you upset because he's been telling us what we can't do. Tells us we need to wear a mask. We don't need to wear one. We need to get a shot. We don't need anyhow. But this doctor by the name of Luke recorded in chapter 2, beginning in verse number 10, these words. I'm reading them to you. The angel said unto them, Fear not. I hope you'll all understand that the same God who wrote this word, if you will, who is the creator of all of the universe, when this child was born, there was an angel that started speaking unto them. And that angel went on to say, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. <laughs> Praise God. Which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, listen to this, a multitude of the heavenly host. There showed up an army, if you will, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Folks, I just read you the truth of the word of God. Verse 8, 16 says, They came with haste, the shepherds, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Watch what verse 18 says. And all they that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by shepherds. I just read to you the truth of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, there are some things in it that are as tough to believe as what I made fun of a while ago about Santa Claus. But it's true. I want to first of all ask you this question. Why were shepherds the ones who were invited to the stable? After all, if we read the story correctly, and my imagination goes that they stopped and they went to the, quote, motel, the inn, and it was full, and the guy says, I can't, but I got this place out here. Shepherds were the ones that Jesus, or pardon me, that the Spirit of the Holy Ghost first spoke to to bring to see who this baby Jesus was. They were watching their flocks by night. I could go on on that a while, but I won't. 
in order to go see baby Jesus, they had to leave some flocks unattended. Shepherds don't do that. Not normally. Why, if they needed some witnesses to this birth, why didn't that angel just go over there, wherever that inn was, and say, hey, folks, it's middle of the night, but come out here. The king of kings has just been born. All you folks in there, get out of the bed that's in that inn over there and come out here and check it out, but that's not... No, 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 no. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to some shepherds to be the first witnesses. I'm going somewhere. Could it be that the one that were in that inn would have been offended by the smell that was in that stable? Could it be that even the ones in that inn were not very familiar with a stable? Most likely they were less acquainted with disturbing animals in the middle of the night than a shepherd was. Think about that. Brother Raymond Woodward put this information out in his studies, the little part I'm going to say next. The rest of this, I just, I got it from the presence of God working on me. But he talked about Migdal Eder, which means the tower of the flock. This is per brother. If you don't know Brother Raymond Woodward, he's an incredible student of Jewish history. This is what he said. Migdal Eder was a watchtower. I'm going to have to read it because I can't remember it. Like a, It was a watchtower. It was for the shepherds to watch over their flocks grazing in the surrounding countryside. And there would have been a whole lot of these back in that day. But there was one by the name of Migdal Eder that took on special significance because it was near Rachel's tomb. Remember Rachel that died young, childbirth, etc. As time went on, it became even more important because shepherds are not used to being clean. And the time of the Gospels, the only place that you could find a flock was in the wilderness, far away from everyone where they lived. There was one exception. And it was because that they needed literally hundreds of lambs to sacrifice at that temple that was in Jerusalem. Where was that place? Five miles away in a place called Bethlehem. Five miles away from the temple in Jerusalem. I've been there. It's just a short trek down five miles away. Bethlehem, which is perfect for raising sheep because it's the hills and the valleys. It's got the grass in the valley. It's a wonderful place for them shepherds to be able. So this was what that particular place was, was called Migdal Eder. And in the Jewish Talmud, this is what it stated. It said this, that all those animals, as far as the Migdal Eder, they were the ones that had to be holy and could be the ones that they could deem clean and holy and perfect to be used for the sacrifice in the temple. So if you happen to be in the lower level of the tower where the newborn, quote, spotless lambs were brought to be wrapped, they would wrap them in long strips of cloth so they wouldn't hurt themselves and get injured and damaged or blemished 
because you couldn't bring a damaged or a blemished lamb to offer as a sacrifice. It had to be perfect. Hmm. These fellows that were shepherds were, they were shepherds all right, but they were an integral part of providing sacrifices for the temple. Without them, they would not have had any temple offerings. And these are the shepherds that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to and said, down there in that stable, there's a little baby going to be born. When that angel came and began to speak, it was joined on that hillside by an army, a heavenly host, the Scripture says. Whoever heard of armies that sing praises unto God in the middle of the night? That's when this was. But the army's out there singing. And the people of means that already had a room at the end, they're in there snoring away. They're unconscious of what's really going on on the outside. If I took you back to the book of Genesis chapter 46, and verse 34 tells us this, the Egyptians considered shepherds to be an abomination. In other words, if you were a shepherd, you were the lowest rung of jobs. There was no kid went around as a little kid, like when I was a little kid, you know, I'm going to be a policeman, I'm going to be a fireman, I'm going to be a soldier, Whatever. Nuh-uh. They didn't go around saying, I'm planning on being a shepherd when I grow up. That was the worst job you could get in the Egyptian caste, Egyptian society. Why are you saying that, Brother Cox? You didn't go around bragging like I used to that my dad's the pastor. Uh -uh. You never bragged about your dad being a shepherd. You kind of hung your head and made sure that nobody ever asked you about that. But I told you the Egyptians are the ones that considered the shepherd as an abomination. Listen to where I'm coming from next. God has never considered shepherds to be an abomination. In fact, God is already and was already on record as identifying himself with the shepherds. In fact, he had chosen two men before all of this happened who were very well known, who were very loved by those Hebrew people. And those men were shepherds. You know what their names were? Moses was one of them. You probably know who the other one is, David. My brother-in-law passed away last year, a great man of God, pastored out in Lumberton, North Carolina. We were out there to do the funeral because I got a big, loud voice. They said, we want to do something a little different. We want to start the funeral by you leading the other ministers in, and I want you to quote the whole 23rd Psalm as you're making your way up that aisle to where the ministers went. I started out. You know what I started to quote? I quoted what a shepherd had written. The Lord is my shepherd. Y'all know it. I shall not want. I went right on down the line. You see, the reason that God loves shepherds is this. They are regularly, routinely, most of the time, they're around birthing happening. 
If anybody ever understood the magnificence of a live birth, it was a shepherd. They were used to births happening morning, noon, and even at midnight. Oh, we think of the night now and we've got these brilliant lights that help us and if Trust me, they didn't have those lights to the best of our understanding back then. Many were the times they had to work by starlight or moonlight in the middle of the night. And sometimes when the clouds were hovering over, they simply were almost feeling their way around. But they were listening for that ewe lamb that was having a problem with the birth. And they were going to make sure they're going to get there so that that little lamb is going to be all right. So why is it that God doesn't speak to the people. Send, he doesn't send the angel to the well to the well people that are well wealthy that are in the inn already. He doesn't send them to the king's palace. Herod was hoping for that, but he didn't send them there. No, no, no. He sent the angels down to the shepherds, the ones that were used to wrapping those sheep with those long claws. <laughs> Is it any reason why Dr. Luke says they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and they laid him in a manger? Whoa, I want to protect my King of Kings and I want to protect my Lord of Lords. And the shepherds, when they come in, they're able to see this is a perfect Lamb of God. Those other people wouldn't have believed a virgin lady would have a child. But when you've had a visitation from an angel of God, you'll believe anything. I believe in being with a good shepherd. I'm talking about your pastor now. I heard from him today via text. He got him a nice deer, and I'm happy for him, and I'm happy he's taking some time off. Everybody needs a little time away. But when you've got a good shepherd, if you're in a congregation of good people, and there's good people in this congregation, it is the absolute safest place you can be. The good shepherd knows how to wrap the swaddling clothes around the new births that are born. Can I tell you something? When that little one's born, whether it be in the natural or whether it be in the spiritual, it takes some wisdom. It takes some knowledge. It takes some waiting around for them to mature and to become somebody in Christ. Whew. I'm glad for a good shepherd. Personally, I... And, and maybe, maybe you don't believe it, but I believe that we're approaching the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ back for his bride. I really do. I, I think that, I don't think, I know that the scriptures tell me. I can read it to you after a while if you want to. It's in the book of Hebrews. That I'm not supposed to forsake the assembling of myself with others as I see that day approaching. What I'm trying to say is I want to be in church on a regular basis. Not only do I want to be, I need to be in church on a regular basis. Because I need to be around the flock. If the wolf comes in for his bad stuff that he's going to do to try to take a lamb. If the lamb is in the middle of the flock, the wolf can't get to him. That shepherd is going to be watching. 
He's going to try to drive it. That's why David said, you don't worry me, Goliath. I'm not worried about that. Hey, Saul, let me tell you what. I've handled bears. I've handled lions. What is that Goliath giant out there to me? I'm going to come to him in the name of the Lord. We're living in a world right now that is falling away from wanting to attend church. Hello. I hate to tell you this, but I know of plenty of our churches that one time had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, or down to one service a week. That's not scriptural. The Bible said the more so as you see that day approaching. Hello. You're going to label me political all you want. When this COVID stuff hit, they shut everybody down. You can't have church. I didn't like that. Hello? Why do you think they wasn't just church? You can't, but it was all right to go to Walmart. If you had a, what they call it, a necessary job, you'd go to a necessary job, but you can't go to church. Well, Brother Cox, they shut the ball games down too. I know because that's the same category they put us in. They think we're just entertainment. I'm going to declare to you that church is more important than anything there is out there, that you need to be with the flock of God wherever your flock is, wherever your shepherd is. You need to be there. Our world's falling away. I can't believe the myth of Santa Claus they put out. And yet they'll claim I'm uneducated and foolish because I believe in a virgin birth and a Jesus Christ who saved me from the sins of this world. Isn't it amazing that the world is so ready to proclaim Santa Claus, but they want to deny that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. It's amazing to me the world doesn't want you to believe that Jesus died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven that he arose from a grave three days later and then gave his flesh as a, yeah, they don't want to believe all of that kind of stuff. The world says, nah, you don't need to believe. What difference does it make if you get baptized in water in the name of Jesus? You're just getting wet. I've got news for you. When you went down in water, whether it be in a baptistry, in a creek, a pond, or wherever it was, when you went down in Jesus' name, it washed your sins away. Everything that was ever before you and coming again, God is able to wash it away. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know those even in some of the secular churches that will tell you that when you receive his spirit in your life, you just get it. You're not going to be able to do what the apostles did and have miracles and signs and wonders, and you're not going to speak in other tongues. I'm going to tell you something. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost... You may not know the language you're speaking in, but I promise you, you're going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. It's not some guy saying, say it like I said it and you get it. No, no, no. It's when the presence of God comes in, that tongue that's so unruly, it's going to give out. It's going to, woo, glory. Yes, yes, yes. Let me just tell you, so you can believe in Santa Claus if you want. I'm not going to. And I know most of you don't. Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, I believe in Jesus Christ. 
I believe his death and burial and resurrection. I'm going to tell you what John 14 and 14 said. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's Jesus talking. Have you ever prayed and asked him to do something in his name and he did it and it seemed impossible? That's because he can do it. James 2 and 9 I believe him when he said this, Thou believest there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. I'm glad for that. 1 John chapter 1, 9. This is what the Word says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. world may say I'm crazy. I know what I'm talking about tonight. I like it when he said this in 1 John 3 and 2, 22. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I even believe what 1 Thessalonians 4 says. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then which we are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We call it the rapture, the resurrection. Call it whatever you want. I want to make it. I don't know when it's going to happen. All I know is I want to be ready because God said I'm coming. I want to be in that bride. I'm going to tell you what else. I believe him when he told me about heaven. I'm going to read it to you for Revelation 21, 1 through 4. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. This is Apostle John writing this. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying this, Behold the tabernacle of God. It's not just with angels. He said it's with men. And he is going to dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Anything rough happened lately? Listen what verse 4 said. God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Can I tell you something? I've buried some precious friends this last year simply because of that virus that they call COVID got a hold of them. I've buried them for other reasons as well. I don't like that. I don't like the separation. I know they may be in a better place, but I miss them here. But the Bible said there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. There'll be no more pain. There's people in here tonight in pain. This precious brother told me the other night, he said, my shoulders are aching. They're in pain. Brother, if we make it to the holy city, New Jerusalem, there'll be no more pain. I also believe him when he said this, Behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22 and 7. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. You see, the world doesn't even, they, they want to discount this word of God now. The world wants you to believe that 
crazy possible stuff. And they want to make fun of me because I believe in a real God. One that I haven't seen. But I'm going to tell you something. Seeing is not the only sense that I have in my body. Mm. You start naming your senses. You've got hearing. Mine's not the best. You've got sight. I don't see as well unless I have glasses on. You've got taste. You've got smell. Can anybody tell me what the last sense is that I haven't named yet? You ever feel something? In the middle of the night, you can get up and be pitch dark, but reach over and feel something. And Because there's only one sense that covers your entire body, and it's the sense of touch or feel. Not only does it cover your exterior of your body, but it's also the interior of your body. That's why when you have pain on the inside, whether it be a muscle pull, a back, a disc come disjointed in your back or whatever it might be, you start feeling pain inside of your body. I know what it is to have kidney stones on the inside. It's the worst pain I've ever been through. I don't ever want another kidney stone. Hello? Any kidney stone people in here, you ought to know what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I do understand is simply this. I haven't seen him, but I can feel him. Oh, you mean you've touched him? No, I haven't physically, but there's something on inside of me that starts making a difference. We call it the gift of the Holy Ghost. I have felt the gift of the Holy Ghost. And yes, I have visibly or audibly heard his voice. I know everybody doesn't believe that either, but I have. And then I've had those times when he just put it in my mind and I knew what it was. See, they make fun of me because they say, oh, you're crazy. You, just a crutch for you. I'm going to tell you what, I know there's a heaven. I'm going to tell you what else I know, there's a hell. And if you're not ready to meet him, you're not going to go to heaven, but you're going to hell. I assure you my faith is in Jesus Christ tonight, his word. And to me, it's very realistic that the amount of faith it takes for me to believe in Jesus is far less than the amount of faith it would take me to believe in Santa Claus. Hello. As Joshua told the children of Israel, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Lord, I want to serve you. Why? He can heal your body. He can save your soul. He can do the signs and the wonders and the miracles. I do believe what the Bible says. But here's what I know. Even if I had no Bible to believe, and I do, and I love it, I read it every day, I can still tell you of people that I know of that when they got ready to leave this life in their conscious state, the one that I'm the closest to that saw it was my dear Aunt Carly who at age 38 had cancer. She was living longer than the doctor said, and I knew why. It was because my grandpa would go down in the basement of that house, and four and five hours at a time, he'd be praying to God, I want you to heal my daughter. She had never married. She still lived at home, beautiful young lady. Had never been sick in her life until cancer got her. And it was on the morning that my grandpa went into that basement, and he said these words basically. I know because I heard him tell it later. He said, God, 
I don't want to see her hurting anymore. If you're not going to heal her, go ahead and take her. And my mother was sitting by her bedside. And Mama said, Aunt Carly looked at her and said, Oh, Ruby, my mother's name was Ruby. I got a granddaughter named Ruby. She said, Ruby, do you see that? Mom had enough sense to go ahead and tell her, tell me more. She said, look at those beautiful lights. And then she started describing a river that was flowing with clear water. She said, listen to that singing. There's people on the other side of that river singing. It's the most beautiful singing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, I want to go there. You see, my Aunt Carly had been repented of her sins, baptized in Jesus' name with full of the Holy Ghost, and was literally minutes away from taking her last breath. And when she said, I want to go there, the last word she ever spoke, my mother couldn't understand because Aunt Carly began to speak in that heavenly language that we call speaking in other tongues. Yeah, you can deny it all you want. You can be an unbeliever of all you want. She's not the only one. I had somebody tell me just a few months ago another situation almost identical to that. Use your common sense right now. Why would a person who is dying make something up like that? Hello? They've got no reason to try to fool anybody at that point. Their body is racked. It's, it's done. It's finished. Yeah, it, hers was young, but can I tell you, I really believe in heaven. You want to go? Let's stand. I'm going to tell you how to get there. You've got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. You need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues as God gives utterance. You need to do your best to live a righteous life and obey his commandments there on out. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to tell you how you make your life a life of prayer and of reading the Word of God and getting right into the middle of the flock.